Welcome to the Pouring 20s Kentucky. Louisville Ale Trail, Against the Green Brewery, Highwire Brewing, and West Six Brewing are proud to present the return of Louisville Beer Week. This year, Louisville Beer Week runs Friday, October 22nd through Friday, October 29th with an after party at Tailspin Ale Fest on Saturday, October 30th. Those celebrating can expect beer collaborations, panel discussions, and over 20 events put on by 23 breweries. And thirsty patrons can now be quenched like never before with a limited edition Pouring 20s 22-ounce com commemorative cup that will be made available at participating breweries. For more information, visit www.louisvilleailtrail.com. Beer. Hey all you cool Belgian doubles and triples, welcome to another episode of Boys Are From Martin, a Women in Beer podcast. On this episode, I am joined with Mandy Neglich of Beers with Mandy. Before we get to that interview, um, a beer that I had this week that I really enjoyed. It's not a new beer by any means, but one that I love to have this time of the year is Shotgun Wedding from Country Boy Brewing out of Lexington and Georgetown, Kentucky. It is a brown ale aged on vanilla beans, and it is one of the best fall beers but it's available all year round and um, you can even drink it in the summer I've done before and it's just as delicious um, guys I think I say this every week I've been really busy and haven't been able to keep up with most of the stuff that's being put out you know by beer journalists but um, so there's nothing really in this week that I've really enjoyed reading um, always just go check out porchdrinking.com for some amazing and different and unique um, beer coverage obviously I write for them and this podcast is sponsored by them or part of their network but um, I think what we do on that website is is different than a lot of the other beer websites so if you're always looking for new content or interesting content or something other than just kind of you know here's what this brewery did and blah 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 and here's a quote from that you know I think we do a really good job at making beer coverage fun. So, PortStringy.com, Country Boy Shotgun Wedding, um, two really good things to check out this week. With that being said, guys, thank you so much for listening and enjoy the episode with Mandy. Hello, everybody. I am joined with Mandy Neglich. Mandy of, I guess, you know, Beers with Mandy. Is that kind of what you just go by? Is that your brand, your 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 motto? or? Yeah, it's fun. Like at a lot of beer events, people will come up and be like, are you Beers with Mandy? I'm like, I'm just Mandy right now. <laughs> I've gotten that too. Like, oh, are you boys are from Martin? And I was like, yeah, but like, I don't want to like be known as that. I want, so I, yeah. I get that a lot. It's, that's funny when you kind of have this like, I don't know, a brand or a, you know, a podcast or a blog, you kind of get referred to as the name of that because they yeah. never remember your name, but I guess <laughs> there could be worse things. Um, so kind of tell us what, um, you know, we'll kind of start from the very broad and get a little bit more in depth, but what is beers with Mandy? If, you, if someone was to ask you that, what would be your answer? Yeah. I mean, I will say it definitely has shifted since March, 2020. Um, but the goal of beers with Mandy is just to use my beer education, um, to, kind of share fun facts and get people interested in beer that's a little bit wider than maybe what they've been exposed to. So kind of the motto in the bio is um, traveling the world to show you there's more to beer than IPA. But um, it's been traveling the country recently <laughs> instead of the world. Um, in 2019, I got to like go to Germany and go to the Czech Republic and London and that kind of stuff. Um, and then recently it's been like I went all through Vermont and like went to some of the like hype breweries, but didn't get IPA there. I just tried their other stuff to tell people about it. So did you get to go to Lawson's Finest? I didn't. I was up near like Burlington. So I was okay. in foam. I did like foam, zero gravity. Zero gravity is great because they have so many different beers. But um, yeah, just trying to expand, expand the lens of beer a little bit and um, yeah, use my journalism background to make it understandable. And you're based in New York City, right? Yes. Okay, cool. Um, but well, yeah, so we'll we'll go now we'll go we'll get really like in depth. So I guess we'll start from the very beginning in the sense like how did you get into beer? Like what everyone kind of has a story or a beer or like a turning point that made them like, oh, okay, this is what what I want to do and you know, what what's your story? Yeah, I I mean my my beer that I always refer to is Golden Monkey. I grew up in Pennsylvania and um, 
on my dad on Father's Day, we went to Golden Monkey to like celebrate or to Victory to celebrate Father's Day. And um, I got a taste of his beer. I wasn't quite 21 yet, but I was like, wow, everything else you've tasted, you know, at football games or the Super Bowl mm-hmm. is like gross, bitter water. Um, but really it was homebrewing that got me into it. I uh, have always like baked and been into making my own food, like my own bread. And then I was like, got to try making my own beer. Um, and got really into that. And actually when I first moved to New York was the first time I entered the national homebrew competition. Cause it was pretty close by. And I was like, Oh, that would be cool to get, you know, really high, high judges feedback on it. And I ended up getting, um, a gold medal. And from there I was just like, this is so cool. This is like, um, something I'm obviously, you know, passionate about and good at and how can I share this and discover more about beer. So it was definitely homebrewing. So how old were you when you started homebrewing? Um, wow. Probably 22, 23. Wow. Yeah. So pretty early on, um, starting with like kits obviously, and then, uh, bumping up, uh, homebrewing is so fun because it's like, you can buy a really crazy homebrewing setup. Um, and you can't like go buy a baker's oven, right? Like it's like, (laughs) you can definitely invest some money in the hobby, but it's like, you can really get the highest end stuff and it can fit in your closet. Whereas like, if you're into cooking and stuff, you know, I can't buy like a dehydration chamber or something like that. So was there, was there, you know, what, it's such a fun thing for, I mean, it's so interesting to me that 22, 23, you started homebrewing when I'm sure you're in college or recently graduated college. Like, was there a person that really, you know, got you into it or is just something you kind of thought about and did it one day? Yeah. It's something that I started on my own, just like experimenting more with like, um, the kits you can get at like bed, bath and beyond, like nothing too, um, too high tech. But then I did meet at the time, my boyfriend and now my husband, um, and having someone to like bounce things off of, uh, was definitely like a, I guess, got me deeper into it. It's actually in our like wedding announcement. We talk about how I like, brought craft beer to a party because I didn't want to be drinking the Bud Light that was there. And like, um, so that's like, kind of like how we bonded and yeah. And you mentioned you won a gold medal, um, for one of your beers. What, what kind of beer was it? So now I've gotten two actually, but my two. first one was Cezanne and then just this last NHC was Imperial Stout. So two pretty different, uh, non-IPA beers. (laughs) Do you still continue to homebrew regularly or is it something, you know, that you don't get to do as much anymore? It's pretty regular. Like I have a four, um, tap keg grater in my coat closet. Oh, wow. Um, in your what? During, your coat closet? Yeah. <laughs> well, it's not a coat closet anymore. They got kicked out. But, um, uh, during the pandemic, it's been hard cause I used to just brew and put it on tap and like have a bunch of people over and mm-hmm. then like that kind of stopped. And like, so, um, you know, not quite as often as I used to, but still definitely every couple months. You didn't want to have to drink four beers all by yourself for <laughs> you and your husband yeah, in the pandemic? Yeah, drinking five gallons of Imperial Stout is not great alone. So, <laughs> um, so you mentioned in um, the introduction that you, you traveled a lot, mm-hmm. um, you know, you, and I think you took your first um, kind of beer vacation in 2012. Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I I did my research. I was like, wow. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Tell us about that first trip and, you know, what inspired you to take a beer vacation? Yeah. So that's when I was living in Texas and Texas is actually great because it's kind of in the center of the country. So we get a lot of beer from the East coast, a lot from the West coast. And that was kind of like when Sculpin, I don't know now it's like such, you know, everything with Ballast Point, but back then it was like this crazy hoppy IPA. Like I went to like this beer event at the flying saucer in Fort Worth to like try it on tap, super fresh, quote unquote. Um, and I was just like, I want to go to San Diego and see, you know, Stone was out there, Ballast Point, uh, as a home brewer at the time, like White Labs was a big right. one that I wanted to visit. Uh, so yeah, that was like, I had my whole bucket list. It's so funny to think about now because like, I had like MapQuest maps and stuff. Like we had the like phone that you could use and everything, but I don't know. <laughs> so it was like pretty back, you know, I had like hand drawn, circled everything and like um, that kind of stuff. So, so but yeah, funny. San Diego big destination for my and then what was your first international beer vacation um that was to belgium uh i was like you know one of the cantillon gotta go make my pilgrimage uh so brussels was like the big goal there but um that was like when i first went to destruce which is a little bit of a smaller 
um, brewery kind of doing a little bit out there styles, actually trying to do American styles is what they would say. Um, and that was like totally like the kickoff of like, wow, there's all these like little things to discover throughout the world with these like brewing traditions that I've never heard of. Um, and yeah, that, that got me into it. And then I'm sure you've been to some other countries in Europe or I guess outside the United States. What has been your favorite trip so far or country or even brewery to visit internationally? Oh, that's so hard. I, I would say New Zealand was really eye-opening to me just as far as um, I got to go there when they were, I mean, they've always had a beautiful, like great craft beer culture, but they were kind of like really kicking off some breweries like UC Boys and Garage Project and stuff, which are now huge. Garage Pro- mm-hmm. Project is now in Europe as well. Um, and so that was really cool just to like be around people who were excited, like the way that I remember I was about Ballast Point. They were like doing all these new things and trying new stuff. But I think probably the best brewery is Weinstreffen and um, just outside of music, Munich in a pricing um, just because like the tradition there is crazy. They make almost like every classic German style and it's just like every beer is perfect. And it's just really cool to be around, you know, greatness like that. They actually have right. like the brewery students take you on the tour around. So they're like oh. still learning and they're also very impressed by like what's going on. So it's like, everyone's just excited to be there. And that's such a cool feeling. Have you been to all, I would say all continents, but I'm sure you haven't been to Antarctica. Have you been to like Asia and Africa as well? No, our, so we were going to go to Japan around the Olympics. Um, and obviously, so that right. hasn't happened yet. Um, and uh, no, I haven't been to Africa. I've been to South America. Um, but yeah, like I did Brazil and Argentina and all that kind of stuff, but uh, not as exclusively for beer. Um, it'd be cool to go back. They also are like in that really exciting right. phase right now. So yeah. Yeah. I remember watching some Vice documentary on um, craft beer in Japan and it was really fascinating. So Hopefully, hopefully you get to find time to go again. Yeah. Yeah. I just, I would definitely want to go when everything's like more open and like feels like I'm not, you know, putting anyone in a bad place by showing up at their brewery and stuff. So, so when you kind of decide to go on these beer trips, do you, is it, do you pick a brewery and then go, or do you pick a country or like a city or an area or whatever, and then kind of decide your itinerary? Um, I think it really depends. I think like when we were in, I just like wanted to go to London and then you kind of figure out what's around <laughs> and what's, it's a night, it's actually an easier flight to go to London than it is to go to like California from New York. So, um, interesting. Yeah. Um, so that's kind of like, what do I want to do? Like one trip I was like, let's do like Bermondsey, which is like kind of there. I was like calling it the Brooklyn craft scene there. It reminds me so much of like all of our breweries here in Brooklyn. And then other times I've done like Fuller's, which is a little more classic and mm-hmm. stuff like that. Um, but then like my last trip to France, um, I've always wanted to go to Thierrier. Uh, they make like the yeast that I made, or they are said to be the origin of the yeast that I made that award-winning Saison from. Um, and so that was like a definite, like, we got to get way out into the countryside and see them if we're going to be in France. So kind of depends. And then have you had a favorite so far like a trip or like one that's really you think has made an impact on your career at all um I mean I would say probably that first trip I actually one that probably made an impact on like my career as far far as like feeling like there were stories that I could tell Mm -hmm. as like a journalist um was a trip to San Francisco I did Russian River and um, Bear Republic, which at the time I feel like was a little more um, cutting edge than they are now. Uh, Still making great beer. But um, and I just was like at Russian River and like met a lot of people who were into what I was into. And like I felt like they I was telling about San Diego and they were interested. And I was like, oh, there are people like, you know, it was back when like the beer advocate forums were big. And I kind of was like, oh, only these people on the forums like feel this way, like the way that I do. But these are people who like were going to wine Mm -hmm. country and making the side turn to go to Russian river and like try beer. So I was like, okay, there's people out there who want to learn about this. If you could, if, if it was like a perfect world and you could suggest one beer vacation for um, a beer lover, what would you tell them? Where would you tell them to go? I think, I think it's cool that Munich and Pilsen and Prague are so close together um, because 
you can really get like, like I said, that, that classic, like perfect, um, German beer. And like, I mean, obviously Pilsner Kell is so cool and historic. And I think they actually do a quite a nice job on their tour. It's not so like, you know how every tour is like, try these hops, smell these hops, like eat this piece of malt. Like what's the fourth ingredient in beer? Like they do a better job about doing like history and really getting mm-hmm. to see what's around. And then uh, the Czech Republic has such a cool beer culture that is different. You can really taste the difference between Munich or like German beers and Czech beers. And I feel like by the time they get to the U.S., you can't really feel those differences. But when you're actually in the countries and everything's fresh, you can kind of tell. <laughs> Besides like Belgium and Germany, the one country I really want to go to is the Czech Republic. It's just because, I mean, you you obviously you go to Germany and you go to England and you go to Belgium for all like the the main beer spots. But the Czech Republic has just always fascinated me, especially Prague. And, you know, a lot of the books I love to read about the history of beer. So just when they talk about it, I'm like, one day, one day I'll be kind of small chain of breweries, I guess it's called. Utrairuzi, it means like the three roses, mm-hmm. but they are like on the line between, I feel like classic Czech and like a little bit craft and like, mm-hmm. yeah, going there, it was like, that's what I always tell everyone. I'm like, yes, I know you'll go to Pilsner or Cal, but like right. make sure to go to one of these brew pubs and talk to the brewers. I'm like staring at my Pilsner or Cal. I have like a lunchbox that they were like doing. And <laughs> I, I used to like actually use it as a lunchbox. Now it's just like on displays decoration and it's just like a reminder like I gotta get over there one day I'll do it but unfortunately not probably anytime soon yeah yeah Um, we have a lot of time to plan right now you know things about future travel (laughs) um you mentioned obviously earlier you are a journalist and a writer and you have a blog Mm -hmm. um or a website whatever you want to call it so talk about your blog and the kind of stories you cover on it or write about Yeah. And like what we were talking about, I did make a shift in 2020. Um, Over the last year or so, I've been really interested in American farmhouse brewing and kind of how that's coming up and how things are changing. There was a a movement that started probably like five, three to five years ago about like getting hyper local with ingredients, you know, trying to find local maltsters, trying to find hops grown close to you. Um, I think Stan Hieronymus was the one who wrote the book about like local brewing and stuff like that. And I noticed in the last like three, two or three years, really these people, these brewers are trying to do even more local, like let's get the yeast from our garden. Let's grow. You know, I just, one of my recent posts was about Arrowwood farms, which is now a hundred percent New York sourced ingredients, like through and through, um, which is really cool. You know, you're really starting to taste like the Tewa of the state that you're in because right. every single thing is coming from there. So it's like kind of a singular experience that um, is going to be different from brewery to brewery, state to state. Um, another one that's really cool is like Crooked Staves. They're doing this native yeast um, project where they're finding yeast around the brewery. Like they have this one that's coming off of elderflowers that are grown in the garden and that's how they make their saison. That's so awesome. trying to sell, yeah. you know, those stories about like, if you're in this destination, um, you can have this like really singular experience at this brewery and just, you know, I'm, I think that movement's really interesting and they're making all these different unique beers. And, um, I have felt maybe that beer has become like a little bit of one thing, like, you know, your, your smoothie IPAs and like hazy IPAs. And so I, I'm loving like seeing this kind of sub culture pop up and like really take off. And I, I mean, there's like farmhouse breweries in pretty much every state now that are trying to do something hyper-local. Yeah. You, you talk about, you know, these, these farmhouse breweries, if, you know, I always like to ask, you know, I like to essentially dumb it down for my listeners. When you say a farmhouse brewery, kind of explain what that term means. Yeah. I think one of the things that that's one of the things I'm trying to dig into as well, um, because there are these like beers that are considered farmhouse styles that have Mm -hmm. come from either, you know, Belgium, France, Northern Europe, uh, that are historically beers that were brewed on farms. So things like your Cezanne, your Grisette, your Beer de Garde. Um, but more and more what these U.S. farmhouse brewers, are, they're actually, you know, shying away from calling things like Cezanne and things like that because they're trying to source ingredients and yeast that is from either their farm or their state nearby their farm and calling themselves like a true farmhouse brewery um, where other brewers might make like a farmhouse style. Like Mm -hmm. um, Oma Gang makes a lot of like farmhouse style beers. They make their Saison, they make beer to guard, Um, but they're more of a commercial brewery. Who's just brewing that style that came over from Belgium 
whereas these American farmhouse breweries are more um, working to make like a really hyper local product that's really unique. So is that where the term originated from, like a farmhouse ales because they brewed them on a farm? Yeah, a lot of them were. I don't brewed, think like, I knew that. Yeah, for farmhouse workers because the water you couldn't drink it, and it was kind of like a, you know you'd get like your ration of bread and a beer at lunch, and then like go back out to the farm. Right, that's crazy. I don't um, think I ever knew that. Yeah, yeah, that's where it comes from. So because um, yeah, like like I said, like you, this this term farmhouse ale is kind of thrown around a lot, especially here in you know. American craft beer and it's kind of interchangeable with the saison. So it's really interesting that you've kind of taken that, um, that, that narrative or that storyline and, you know, really expanded upon it to really explain what those types of styles are. Yeah. And I think when people call something a farmhouse beer too, it can be a little intimidating to consumers because mm-hmm. it's kind of like, what am I about to get? Is it going right. to be sour? Is it going right. to be super dry? Like some of them are not mixed fermentation, mm-hmm. but more and more they are. Um, and you can kind of have like a nice tame sour or you can have kind of crazy funky sour. The, so. the ones you get the puckering in the back of your, yeah. your cheekbones. <laughs> yeah. Or the ones that just like smell like a horse barn and you're like, why would I want to drink this? But if you can appreciate that and know what to expect, I think you do want to drink it. I mean, those are some of my favorite beers. Yeah. Cause you know, farmhouse beers and saisons, they're either hit or miss with me. Cause I really like the sour ones, but like some of those really, you know, funky farmhouse or barn barn yeah barnyard like ones just don't do it for me but i think that the style is still fairly i mean if you went up to probably 100 craft beer drinkers right now and you said what's a farmhouse ale i would say two of them maybe knew what it was so Mm -hmm. um, i think it's definitely a style that needs to be explored more and kind of explained and described to people so i definitely love that you're kind of taking on that that challenge you don't see in a lot of you know craft beer coverage right now yeah, it's really interesting to see all the different philosophies behind all the different farmhouse brewers as well. So, if you were to recommend one beer for people to try to kind of get an introductory into farmhouse beers, what would you recommend to them? That's good. Um, I mean, this is hard because because so, so many of them are so local. Mm-hmm. Um, I would probably say Logston makes saison breda. Um, it's a pretty tame, it does have a little bit of the funk, but it's just like a nice dry, like more like drinking a sparkling wine, honestly, even mm. than like drinking a sour beer. Um, and it's pretty available. They make it pretty far around the country. So that's a good one to seek out. Um, they yes, do. I'm pretty sure you can get it here in Louisville, Kentucky. So yeah. And you can get it in New York. I, cause people are always like, where do you suggest I go? And I'm like, well, there's this, <laughs> this farm in Virginia. <laughs> You're like, realistically, maybe. Yeah. where can I go realistically? Yeah. So, um, and there's like, I mean, like I said, Hennepin from Omegang is like something that I think if you tried that as your first farmhouse beer, it's like totally drinkable. I feel like would offend almost no one, you know, it has a little of that Saison character going on, but I think it's always nice to start people off, you know, slow and be like, it could be right. this, this easy to, you know, enjoy this, this approachable, um, before you start them right. down spontaneous fermentation routes and stuff like that. These crazy fun. Yeah. Um, there was one time we had a, and this is just a minor tangent, a Brett beer. And someone was like, Oh my God, this smells like a, like a horse farm. Cause obviously you're in Kentucky. I'm like, no, that's what it's supposed to like. You're vi- that's great. Like, good job. They're like, what? And I was like, no, that's like what it's supposed to smell like. So it's funny that people just don't know that's, you know, a characteristic or a, you know, a, a smell that beer can be is that very farmhouse like. Um, yeah, no, And I think it's so funny when people feel that they're not like quote unquote, like beer connoisseurs. Um, I teach blind tasting classes as well. And people are like afraid to say like, this smells mm-hmm. like soy sauce to me. And I'm like, yeah, no, it's definitely a way too old German beer that we're drinking right now. Like it is. It's supposed to smell like that. Yeah. Smell, or it's, yeah, it's gotten a little bit bad, but that's totally what you're smelling. And people are always like, oh, I don't want to say like, I feel I silly say to this say bad it. Beer. Yeah. And it's like, you got to just tap into what you're really smelling and go for it. Beer can smell like a lot of things. <laughs> yeah. So you, you mentioned your, 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 um, blind, um, tasting classes and mm-hmm. your workshops. Talk about the, the, those workshops that you do and how you kind of pivoted from in-person to online and how you can, how online tasting classes work essentially seems to be a little of a difficult thing <laughs> since you're not there with them, but 
Yeah, it's actually, um, it's been nice because like I said, I always was kind of doing blind tasting as just like, it's such a fun like group thing or like date night. Like even if you're not into beer to just be like, what is this? Let's taste through it. Obviously you can't blind the beers for them online or I haven't found a, a good way to be able to ship to people. But um, as far as tasting, it's really like I send them a list as like of like some you know, pale styles and some, um, or some pale examples and some dark examples. We just taste them side by side and take them through, you know, the different flavors that can be in beer from like, you know, your bakery case flavors of malt or your, your different sugar flavors of malt for like your stewed malts to all the different flavors hops can provide. Um, I think one thing that's been really fun about those tasting classes is people think like hops just mean bitter Mm-hmm. And being like, oh no, hops can like taste like fruit salad, honestly. <laughs> they can taste like grapes. Like, so that's been really cool to like kind of, I think, dispel some of those myths as well. But it's actually been really fun. I've done them, I did like a bunch of Christmas parties over Christmas, um, done some bachelorette parties. <laughs> so, so, so the way you do them is kind of like um, an event, it's not like a, a class. Like, people book you to come to their event and do it. Yeah. Or I've done, I've never done like, um, my own, like through me, it's always like through another organization pretty much, but I've done like a few, we have, um, a culture center down here in downtown Manhattan. I did like a cult, like through them, I did a workshop where people just come, they can bring their two beers or just listen, um, and, you know, go through a professional tasting method, um, talk about the flavors in beer. And the goal is by the time they leave to know when they go to a bottle shop or a like a beer bar to say like, Oh, I like beers that have blank. Like right. maybe it's dark malt, maybe it's hops, but not bitterness, whatever it is. Cause I think right. people, it can be really inter- intimidating when you go like, we have this bar called as is that has like so many tabs, all these styles up there they've never heard of. And it's like, what do you even, where do you even start? Like usually people will say, I don't like hoppy. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't like IPAs. I don't like bitterness. And it's like, yeah. well, <laughs> and, and like I, as, as, as a manager and someone who's behind the bar a lot, I just like want to correct them every time, but I'm like, don't, don't be an asshole. Like they don't know, but yeah. I try, I always try to educate them. I'm like, well, actually some IPAs aren't bitter. Like, do you just not like, you know, and I just go on this tangent they're like, man, just give me a lager or something. And I'm yeah. like, I was going to say lager is the other one where people are like, oh, I only like lagers. And you're like, some lagers are like super heavy, like Doppelbach, right. like crazy. You would not like it if you think you just like light beers. So right. yeah, my favorite is, um, I really like ales and I'm like, okay, well, <laughs> <laughs> that does not narrow it down at all. Right. Exactly. You probably are actually meaning a lager mm-hmm. because you know, so, um, yeah, I think, you know, to be able to continue to educate beer and, you know, just your average drinkers is, it's fun for me. And I'm sure obviously you enjoy it mm-hmm. as well. Yeah, definitely. Um, and it's, it's been nice. I can't believe how easily things pivoted to virtual, honestly. Um, so, so you said, you know, kind of going back over the process. So you, you send them beers and then you, you, I'm sure you'll, you, you pour one, you kind of go over, do you ask them like, something you smell do you go over like color how do you how do you kind of do the uh, the tastings yeah so I actually just send them like typically drizzly links because shipping beer is like I'm I don't want to (laughs) be I don't know break any laws right um but yeah I actually so with the first beer we'll like go through a full tasting method you know like doing short sniffs long sniffs Mm -hmm. covered sniffs talking to them about retro nasal um olfaction Uh, a lot of people have never done the method to like smell retro nasally um different tastes talking about like alcohol warming and then we'll go through the second one and be like okay now like do it on your own and say like what what you know what are your top top aromas what are your under notes things like that um what do you think is coming from malt what do you think is coming from hops in this and then we can kind of compare the two after like being guided then doing it on their own and then hopefully they can be released off into the world to, um, to do it more. And then I do like professional ones too, which are more about teaching bar stuff, how to describe beer to a customer. Um, like you have this new keg on tap. Let's, let's see what you should say to someone who might be thinking about ordering it where they aren't going to send their beer back or something like that. If like a brewery say here in I'm just Louisville was to like hire you for, to do that, how, how would that work? you know, has this ever come up where you'd have to like get beer shipped to you or something like, or again, we don't want to talk about that, but, um, <laughs> yeah. Or you just kind of, you've learned as much about the beer and, or has that ever happened? Or have you been able to try all the beers you've done the tastings with? Yeah. I've, I've had some breweries that ship me beer. Um, and I think they, 
since they have the proper right. licenses, I just sense. think, you know, that's, that's a little less of a gray area, but, um, yeah, they'll ship them to me and then we can talk about them. Um, I've also just had, uh, done a couple where it's just like bar staff at restaurants where it's just like generically, like what are, when you're trying to explain the flavor of a beer to, um, a consumer, like what are the points you need to hit? Like, what are they concerned about? Cause I feel like sometimes people try something new and they really like hops. They're like, Oh, this beer has like Nelson's Avon hops. And like, that's all they think about, but that means nothing to a customer. You right. know, they're looking for, Oh, it has these like really bright grape flavors and it's not too bitter if you're worried about that, or it's a little tart if you're worried about that, that kind of stuff. So. And this is something, you know, you know, I take back and I have, we have this, you know, certain beers on and my bartenders tell somebody what the style is. I'm like, they don't know what that means. Like, Mm -hmm. (laughs) like we have a, it's a golden Imperial ale and they're like, what is that? Why does it have apple? And it's like, well, it has brewed with apples. And so I'm like, you got to really explain it to them. You, you got to essentially dumb it down for some people. And I'm not saying that in a rude way. I'm just saying they don't know you know, cause you pour it all the time you talk mm-hmm. about it, you, you've drank it, but they don't know. And, um, I think that's really important. And that's something as, as a manager and someone who, who has bartenders is something that I'm continuing to work on just because it, it's important. You know, I, I see so many breweries who kind of skip that part of education and I just don't understand. And you see the ones that do make it an important part of, you know, training and hiring. And those are the ones who are successful. Yeah. And I always think it's so cool when you see breweries websites that have like really thorough tasting notes on mm-hmm. them that are like, you know, not just saying this is the malt we use, this is the hops we use, like, especially right. like IBU kind of means nothing now. <laughs> um, so it's really nice when you see that someone took the time to be like, this is what you can expect. Like, you're not going to either send your beer back or like, don't not drink it because you got something and you had no idea what you're ordering. <laughs> Um, you mentioned writing and I know that you have a, you're, you're writing your first book, correct? Yes. <laughs> That's coming out in the, in the spring of 2023. Yeah. Tell people what it's going to be about. It's, it's definitely leaving the world of beer a little bit. It's called, okay. um, right now the working title quote unquote is how to taste. Um, so we're covering, I talk to all kinds of professional tasters, like ice cream tasters, wine, um, whiskey, olive oil. I'm going out to UC Davis in a couple of weeks to do some more reporting um, and really talking about what what tasting can do for you as a person, as well as like all their different methods. Because what I've realized, you know, I also have my W set um, and I've taken some like cheese professional classes and things like that. And I realized it's all basically the same tasting method. And mm-hmm. it's like a way you can think of anything like to appreciate it more, to taste it, to like create these sensory memories. And there's not really like a good book out there that's like, this is how all professional people basically taste. Like you can find a wine tasting book, right. a whiskey tasting book. But if you're someone like me who just like loves adventures and flavors, like when you're going to France and you want to taste Armagnac and Calvados and beer and wine, like you can just have one book that teach, talks to you about everything. And it's fun to like, there's some really fun, quirky things that people do to become like professional tasters and like pass, really? you know? Yeah. There's like this like coffee, international coffee tasting, um, competition where people are like on soy based diets for like a month and a half before. <laughs> so there's definitely some just fun in there too. It's not, not totally a textbook, but, uh, yeah, it's been really fun to report on and, um, different to talk to people who are not brewers. <laughs> were, <laughs> were you approached about writing the book or did you, it was just something you've always wanted to do? Um, I always thought I would write a book. I've actually worked on a couple books behind the scenes and one, um, cookbook that, not as behind the scenes, but, um, I've always wanted to write it. I kind of thought it would be a beer based book, but during quarantine, I've had more time to kind of, um, explore other interests. And I really thought this would be, it was something that I realized isn't out there. Cause I was like, I want to get my W set while I'm in quarantine. And I was like, there's no book that just says like, here's how to taste all the liquors. <laughs> it's like just a whiskey book or like just a rum book. Like, and then from that, I was like, Oh, you know, there's nothing that really talks about like how to taste it all, unless it's like a super science, like, um, like the science of tasting, which is also in the book, but there's nothing about like physical, like how to think about these things, how to get better at it. So will, will the, the book be broken down into like how to taste food, how to taste, like, will you break it down into sections or will it be, how, do, you, or do you even know how you're going to outline it yet? I'm assuming oh, yeah. you do. <laughs> yeah, it's due um, in March, so I'm pretty far along in it. But no, it's actually, um, so it starts with like the science and goes into a little bit about um, 
how different things can affect our palates from like the environment, you know, the colors of the plates, colors of the walls, that kind of right. thing. Then like into a bit of a mess, like a methodology about like sniffing, tasting, swallowing, but then it goes into um, how to like create sensory memories, how to get better. If you're into, um, if you want to think about professional tasting, um, blind tasting and like why, like how it messes with our minds. Like, you know, there's that famous wine study where they, they dyed white wine red and it messed everyone up. And it's like, why do we think about that? There's some fun um, interviews with people from Top Chef who had to like do the Top Chef wine tastings and things like that. So yeah, it's kind of just like a, it's, it's practical, but also just like a fun adventure about the science and you know it's something we don't think about enough yeah no I mean (laughs) I know you know like they always say that all like what is it like fruit candy tastes the same it's just Mm -hmm. when you eat a red one you probably think it tastes like cherry you eat a green one it's probably lime but there there's always like that myth that they essentially just all taste the same and Mm -hmm. because you know color does change and that, and to go back to beer, I think, you know, one of the things about educating people is we have a black pills around tap mm-hmm. and every time we pour it, someone's like, that's such a thick beer. And it's like, no, 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 no. Yeah. <laughs> so, like, it's actually a Pilsner. And you just, obviously the, you know, we use, you know, darker malts, but it's such a light beer. And, you know, we, assume, with beer, you know, color, you know, it's how people see it, but it's right it's so important just to like to change people's perceptions on, on that kind of thing. And, you know, that's, I'm, I'm hopefully you include the part about the soy and the coffee in there. So oh, yeah. it's a lot of coffee. <laughs> I wonder if that would affect me at all or something. Is it have to do just like with like, I don't know, does soy in your bloodstream or in your body, like change your tasting at all? Or so they're just looking for like super neutral food and soy is just like really, um, high, you know, vitamin, but, uh, cause when you're a professional coffee taster, their competitions, you know, for like Cicerone or wine, right. it's like blind tasting. What's the style, but they actually do these like triangle tests where they have like four triangles and they have to pick the one that's different as fast as they can. And as accurate as they can to like move to the next, um, the next level of competition. So they're like wanting to be hypersensitive to just like differences. Um, yeah, it's really interesting. Uh, yeah, I I've seen coffee. I was, I've been to Costa Rica. So I went to a, um, like a coffee farm essentially. Mm-hmm. And it's funny to watch them taste it. Cause they just obviously kind of like wine and maybe even beer, they spit it back out because uh-huh. tasting coffee all day, you'll be bouncing off the walls. I know I'm getting ready to take a master Cicerone and I'm like, it's not, you don't spit beer because you need the like, um, carbonation and like alcohol warming and everything. But I don't know. My tolerance has gone down a lot (laughs) for the last couple of years. Oh my gosh. And I'm like, am I going to be like on the second day, like writing essays, just like buzzed, like not caring anymore. If I don't could either be very good or very bad. Yeah. Maybe a little lower the tension a little. When I write and I have a beer, the words just like fly out. It's like, I got all of what I wanted out the next day. I go back and like edit it and make it make sense and sound professional and not like I've had a beer while writing. (laughs) Yeah. yeah, you mentioned you're in advanced Cicerone, so you are studying to take the the master. Yeah, the master's in two, two weeks, two weeks, November third. Wow. So I'm like sitting here, and these are all my like Belgian style. I like put these down to my flashcards to uh, get on here. So well, good. I gave you a little yeah. study break then. Yeah, no, it's and I mean, just talking about stuff is always right. You know, a good way to think about beer and stuff. So. So advanced. Yeah, that's, um, I've had both Jen Blair and, uh, Rachel Hudson from, uh, I guess she's at Orpheus now and pilot and they're both, I think taking, they're it? taking it. Yeah. We're, yeah. I'm going to see them in a couple of weeks. Yeah. I was talking you, to you Jen on go, Instagram. You go to Chicago as well, or yep. it's in Chicago. Yep. <laughs> I, I, I'm obviously a beer server and I'm like, he want to get a certified, but I'm like, I have to study so much for that. And I'm like, I just don't have the time, but yeah, eventually I'll do it. I just, you know, got to pick a date and just be like, Hey, this is when we're doing it and study. And, um, it's also amazing. Like if working in a brewery, I think always people are intimidated about certified. I think like, if you know, if you've brewed and like, you know, styles, like that's so much for certified, honestly. Um, Mm -hmm. and yeah, I mean, for master, like I write a home brewing column. So every month I'm like talking about the ways to brew things. And so I'm hoping, you know, is is I, I took it once before and, um, 
now I have like a real Sankey keg in my closet kegerator because that's what I really did not know how to do. If you need me to balance corny kegs, I can do it all day. I was going to say, so you've taken it already. Yes, I took it in 2019. So I passed advance at the beginning of 2019. And master was like seven months later. And I was like, I don't want to wait a year and seven months to take it. So I'm just going to like... So everything's fresh in your mind. Yeah. And no one, no one seems to really pass the first time. So I was kind of like, right. let's give it our best shot. Like, let's mm-hmm. feel what this is like. And then I wanted to take it again right away in 2020. But um, now I've gotten some extra, extra study time, an extra year of study time, I guess. So, so what was the hardest part about the first one? The first attempt at master? Yes. Sorry. Um, I think I was not ready for what a like marathon it is. It's two days from 8.30 to 5.30 of just like oral exams, tasting, essay, you know, and then you have a whole night at home to think about all the mistakes you've made (laughs) and then go back and do it again the next day. So I think the mindset's a big one. And like I said, I was definitely, you know, not at the depth I needed to be the first time I took it. Um, when they say like memorize the BJCP, memorize five commercial styles from three different countries for every style. I was like, Oh, I know so many beers. I'll yeah. be fine. And then like you get in the room and they're like, all right, you know, this, this style from, you know, five examples, three different countries. And I was just like, Ugh. it's like, I think this brewery in London still makes one. Like, it's like, you like, so. get in there, like what's beer? Like what, what? Yeah. So I think it's like, I'm, I'm excited to, I'm really excited to have an opportunity to do it again. Yeah. Um, so, and yeah, it'll be great. It's awesome. Like Jen and Rachel, they kind of, uh, they split it in half. Some people are taking it in April mm-hmm. and some of us are taking it in November. So it'll be cool to have like a smaller group and maybe it'll move a little faster. <laughs> yeah. When I remember when I, I spoke with Rachel, I guess three or four months ago, maybe no, like three. Yeah. She was, she was like, I was the, the, our podcast was her study break. So it was, yeah. I was like, Hey, I'll be, I'll be, I'll be all studies breaks. It's not really a study break. You're still, still talking about beer. So you're still somewhat preparing, but uh, you're not reading notes and flashcards and yeah. Textbooks. Yeah. Now in these final weeks, it's really like, just get the BJCP numbers like into your head. They only need to stay there for the length of the test and then I can forget them again. But, um, <laughs> yeah. Um, so you have your book coming out, um, obviously continue to you're writing on your, on beers with Mandy, your blog, you're doing your workshop. Is there anything else you're working on or anything that's coming up? Obviously besides the big, the big test in a couple of weeks. Yeah. I mean, I think one thing that I want to just note is like, I do do freelance work and entertainment mm-hmm. still from like my first career. I think, um, you know, a lot of writers, it's not, you can't, it's hard to make it as like a full mm-hmm. freelance writer. And like be able to pay your bills and like do things. So I think um, people are always like, oh, your your job is writing about beer and that's so awesome. And I'm like, yeah, I still have to do stuff that, you know, gets the bills paid for, you know, freelance clients and stuff, which I love working with. But I mean, I just want to make it, you know, I'm still working on making it all the way as like fully in the beer industry. Well, so this, I'm feeling confident about this book. <laughs> yeah, I'm really excited about it. I think. Um, yeah. But yeah just uh, to be totally transparent. I think a lot of people, you know, see, oh, you have a column on buying pair. You like do this writing for good beer hunting. You're doing this, you know, you, I do have some Instagram ads that go every now and then. And, um, that's not enough to like, actually. <laughs> yeah. Say, I, I, I was a journalism major too. And, mm-hmm. you know, thought about the freelancing and thankfully I kind of pivoted more to the marketing side of it. And then now I'm managing, but still, obviously when you're a manager, you kind of do a lot and it's include writing and writing styles, writing newsletters, whatever. It's still all part of it, but yes, freelancing. I was like, gosh, I, I love writing so much. And it's like, well, unfortunately yeah. it doesn't pay the bills. Yeah. No, coming out of college with like student loans and like, you know, I was applying at news stations. That's, and I was like, Oh yeah, I can never live on this. I went into marketing too. I was like how I couldn't even make my student loan payment and rent like on those salaries. So when I, uh, I wanted to do, when I graduated college, I wanted to do sports and I was like applying at these like small local, obviously newspapers. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, what what was I like? Yes. Yeah. It's always great to dream and stuff. And, you know, obviously you start small, but I'm like, man, I had a lot bigger hopes and dreams and that were practical, I guess you could say. (laughs) Yeah. Definitely. And not like beer pays the bills either, but it's, <laughs> that's what I'm saying. I'm like, it's Everyone definitely, like, yeah. I remember when, you know, you, you tell people like what, you know, beer salaries are and they're like, what? And I was like, what do you think? We're, we're not making like hundreds and thousands of dollars or 
you know, yeah. six figures. So yeah, um, you, it's just more, you know, of a passion. And I think that's why a lot of us are in this industry and you know, why you're still hustling is because you just love it and you're, you're passionate about it. And yeah. it definitely and shows. I get to meet like some really awesome people and yeah, yeah that's, <laughs> I mean, that's probably one of the main reasons that why I still continue to do this essentially on the side, mm-hmm. whether it's through my writing or the podcasts, you just get to meet so many incredible people in beer and while we're not all amazing, um, yeah. at least the ones that I've talked to, and I'm sure that mm-hmm. most people you've met are, and that just, just makes it worth it. Those, those ones that are kind of try yeah. to forget about the, try to ignore and forget about the ones who make this industry, not what it should be. Yeah. And I mean, same with customers. I think for the most part, the people who mm-hmm. are interested in beer are coming to you right. are like coming to have fun and enjoy themselves and learn mm-hmm. something. And, um, like you said, every now and then there's the people who aren't doing that and you gotta do it for the people who are there to, you know, right be interested and be fun and to have a good time with people. So, well, I always end my podcast with kind of rapid fire questions or this or that. And then just two final fun questions. So (laughs) that is my, um, Roomba vacuum just told me his battery's low. (laughs) Um, so here we go. Do you prefer six pack of 12 ounce cans or four pack of 16 ounce? Six pack of 12 ounce. Um, if you're brewing with it, do you prefer an ale yeast or a lager yeast? Uh, ale all the way. <laughs> if you're drinking sharp, straight from it, a bottle or a can? Uh, I don't know. I can't. I, I, that's like my number one thing. I, I'd rather drink from a plastic cup than either. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. I've been really lazy recently and I've just been like cracking a beer and just drinking straight from it. And I'm like, yeah. just walk to the cabinet and grab a glass <laughs> that's right there. You pass it. Uh, New England or West Coast IPA? West Coast. Stout or porter? Uh, porter. Gosa or Berliner Weiss? Oh, that's a hard one. Um, probably Berliner. Seltzer or cider? Seltzer. What's your go-to mass market seltzer? Um, I like to try them all. Actually, I have like Wild Basin in there. I is June Shine count? I think that's a kombucha. I don't know if that's a seltzer. Yeah, I'm, I'm not familiar with that one. I've been but just I like wild trying basin. through them all. Um, it's fun to like taste the different ones and stuff. So. Fun fact, I've only ever taken like a sip of like white call and truly I've never drank a full seltzer before. Really? Yeah. Wow. That's and like I, our whole Whole Foods is being taken over by like all these different seltzers. So. Yeah, they won't get me. I I don't <laughs> like them. I don't like regular seltzer, like the seltzer yeah. water. So, but yeah, everyone's like, you've had one. I was like, I, I've never drank a seltzer, like a full, more than just a sip. So yeah, staying strong. <laughs> yeah, Chocolate. I try to get the, the smaller brands. I should say, like we yeah. said, truly in White Claw. I try to like try the new people, the local ones. Yeah, come up. Yeah. Um, chocolate or vanilla in your beer? Neither. <laughs> Maybe chocolate if I have to. Chocolate. Yeah. Malt. How about that? Yeah, that works. <laughs> um, uh, brewery cats or brewery dogs? Um, I'm a dog. Dog girl all the way. My dog is right here. I know you have your two dogs too. So. Yeah. Um, a favorite beer city that you've visited? Might be a little bit repeat. Um, probably Bruges. Um, favorite beer glass style? I love Tiku glasses. Yep. <laughs> uh, favorite hot variety? Oh, good question. Um, I really, I use a lot of saws. I'm a saws hop fan. Throwback to the, the vintage. <laughs> when I was picking a name for my dog, I went through all the hops and I was like, are any of these a good name? And I almost decided on a few, but I just couldn't. No one would have known except for like us beer nerds, like what Comet met. Yeah. I almost yeah. named uh, Chewy Willamette so I could call her Willa, but <laughs> yeah, she's but too like, much of a Chewy. Yeah. I was thinking, I was like, I got to, I would love to name him something after like a hop variety, but I'm like, nobody's going to know what that means. And yeah. I don't feel like explaining it. <laughs> um, what's a, what's your go-to beer right now? What's a beer that you have in the fridge or you're just always seeming to um, navigate to, to drink? I, I pretty much always have Duval in the fridge. Mm-hmm. Um, that's like my, my favorite, probably all time beer, but like for day to day, I really like, um, stone delicious. It's like they're mm-hmm. gluten reducing. It's not for gluten reduced. I just like that. It's like really lemony and easy to get. Um, and then I always am like rotating through new, um, you know, smaller producers. I, Anderson Valley black rice lager. I don't know if that one's gets everywhere, but I love that beer. It's that's out of, California, correct? Are they out of California? Um, they have the one with the bear and the yeah. Little, they're like, like known for their goza more. Yes, I feel okay. like. But um, yeah, I think I want black to like, rice lager. Yeah, it's only like four really percent. It's like really, it still has a lot of flavor. Um, 
it's like a nice if you're just gonna have like one beer and not yeah you know, go crazy I've literally only literally wow I hate that word I've only <laughs> drank lagers like the past two or three months oh wow so I like can't like I drink an IPA and I have like a headache the next day and I'm like what is going on with me <laughs> and it's it's Oktoberfest season so I'm just crushing every type of Martin yeah, best beer exactly every, every type of beer you can you can you can find right now even though I went to was, was a side tangent I went to uh, my local you know beer store and they ha- didn't have any other Oktoberfest left wow it's like it's like I because everyone puts them out in August and then they're gone. And I'm like, yeah. Hey, I'm still here. I'm still under Draco. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Final two questions. I'll let you get out of here and back to studying. <laughs> if you could go on any beer vacation, one that you haven't done already, where would it be and why? Oh, where would it be and why? That's, I, I mean, like I said, I'm dying to go to Japan. Japan. Um, there's a brewery there called Baird Brewing that I really, they make like a lot of European and American styles. And I would love to try to go there and try their beer um and there's this brewery called wild east that makes they like work with belgian to make mm-hmm. belgian beers but like with some japanese influence um and i've just never made it to japan so what part of japan is it in tokyo i'm assuming or um no i'm not sure there i if i go to japan i, I may i will spend a little time in tokyo but what i've realized living in new york city is like when i was in australia like there's no need to really be in sydney like i get that that kind of life i want to really go out that makes sense do, yeah, Kyoto and some like um even more like rural places when I go there. So yeah. Last question. If you could have a beer with one person right now, who would it be? One person right now. Huh. If you could walk into your local, you know, brewery, tap room, beer store, beer, whatever, beer bar and have a beer. <laughs> so they're not a beer. I'm like getting so stumped right now. I'm trying to think. I was like this is first... always stumps people, that's why it's last. <laughs> At first I was like, um, we're gonna be like Garrett Oliver, so he can tell me all the food pairing questions on a. Um, Have you actually, met him? That's a good one. So when I first moved to New York, I was like at an event, and he was there, and I was like way too nervous to like talk to him. It's like one person I was like telling my friend, I was like, "Oh my god, that's right. Garrett Oliver," and she was like, "Who? Yeah. <laughs> Come on, <laughs> that would be me. That would um, so be me. So I, that would be a good one actually, because yeah, he's influenced the beer landscape here so much and he could give me some last minute pointers before I have to go uh write essays on food and beer pairing for three hours well I'm sure Garrett's gonna listen to this so Garrett <laughs> grab a beer with Mandy you yeah. probably I mean you're so close so it seems like this one's doable yeah I don't know I'm so bad about that that's like one of my 2022 resolutions is like I think so many brewers are like cool and I go to their cities but I'm like too nervous to be like Hi, I'm this like blogger. <laughs> so no, I get we'll that. see if I get better. My friends are always the ones who have to do that. I'm like, oh, I really want that person on my podcast. And they're like, they'll go up to them and say it. And I'm like, oh, I'm so embarrassed. <laughs> yeah. I always just think they're like so busy and like, but every right. time I end up meeting someone, like I'm so happy to oh, talk yeah. to them and we have like the best conversations and I don't feel like I'm wasting their time. So exactly. I, that's it, the goal. I totally understand that one. So get better at it. Well, Mandy, thank you so much for hopping on here with me today and uh, so excited to finally obviously meet you virtually and chat yeah. with you and good luck taking the test. Yeah, I'm, thanks I'm so sure much. you'll do great. I good luck with full that. confidence. Thank you. That's what I'm, I need all the luck I can get. So I'm accepting it all. And, uh, <laughs> but um, good luck with dog momming with your two, you. your two kids. Like 6am, but wouldn't change it. Sorry. Yeah, it it's up in the morning anyway. A couple weeks. <laughs> yes, it does. Uh, well, thank you. Thank you again. And uh, have a great Monday and rest of your week. You too. Thanks so much for having me. This was awesome.